You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. And Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment. And he's speaking to us from, actually, Wayne, tell us where you are at the moment. Yeah, I'm actually overlooking the big hole, the Groot Gat, here in Kimberley. And it's my old hometown. And it's the first time since I've been working, which is many, many years, that I've actually come to Kimberley for a work yes. uh, function tonight and tomorrow. They got a the whole Northern Cape Chamber of Commerce and Industry have got a big exposition happening at the Expo Center here. Yes. And I'm here to give this sort of the opening presentation. So it's actually it's actually quite exciting, I must admit. It's quite nice to be back here. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it's like during the winter months, but on a clear day, looking at the, the big hole, I mean, I was amazed by the bird life, you know, the swallows and swifts yeah, and that, that sort of thing. You can possibly even hear some in the background here. Maybe I could. What's the message you're going to impart tonight? What are you going to say to the good people of Kimberley? Fastbait. What does that mean? It it means uh, uh, have a stiff upper lip, in other words. When you look at the South African economic situation, it's very easy to fall into the depth of despair and just give up all hope. But hopefully... (laughs) I will give a slightly more positive message, but more important than my message is whether it's got a fair chance of actually happening, whether we can recover from what we what we have got here in South Africa and what's got to get done to get the economy back on, not even on one foot, let alone two feet. Yeah. And because when you look at the unemployment data, I mean, it is truly catastrophic. 29%, Wayne. I mean, that's the official figure. Well, take, but take it, the 10 million. Take the big number. Okay. Use the, the big numbers as a more accurate number, to be honest, because if a person has reached such a depth of despair that they've given up looking for work, surely that also classifies as unemployed. Yeah, definitely. And quite honestly, as I keep on saying, and I'm at the risk of people sending me messages and saying, Lindsay, you're like a broken record. There are people being born today that will never have a job in South Africa. I firmly believe that. Look, we have one very positive thing going for our current situation in South Africa as far as unemployment is concerned. At least we can afford some sort of social net. You do get benefits. They, 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 They're incredibly small. But at least there is something. You, 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 you're not completely destitute. So at least the country can afford that. And I mean, there's, I forget the number, 15 or 19 million social grants paid out every month. So at least we can, as a country, afford that. But I'm just not sure whether we can carry on affording everything we've got to do, plus 230 billion for ESCOM, plus... I don't know how many other more billion for all the other SOEs. I mean, it is simply has just got to be sorted out. But, you know, to me, as an overall comment, the biggest single impediment in South Africa to trying to rectify the situation is that there's just no common ground. There's just no common consensus, you know, national accord as to what's got to get done to get this right because everyone's fighting with everyone labor's fighting with business business is fighting with the government the government's fighting the government hasn't even got consensus on what they want to do because they're busy fighting 
internally. You know, for the first, I don't know, maybe call it 10, 12 years of the new South Africa, you've always had politics, you've always had different opinions, but there was a national consensus that we were going down the right road. You know, we were going in the right direction. What was happening was good for the country and good for our future. Whereas now there's no national consensus as to what path do we have to go down. And and we've got we've got the blueprint, we've got the the um, NDP national yes. development plan, but no one's looking at it, no one's implemented it. Sometimes you get lip service paid to it. But you know, no one sees this as the foundation of a prosperous South Africa, and that's quite frankly, that's exactly what it's intended to be. But it just somehow has fallen by the wayside. Wayne, the analogy I always use is that in the past, I've been a member of probably seven different gyms throughout my lifetime. Yeah. You know, you go there and you think, right, I've just moved into this new suburb and I'm going to go and join that gym. And you go and join the gym and you think, that's it, absolutely fantastic. Go, mm. I'm going to go and buy, and then I go and buy the clothes from whatever sports shop it is. And then I never go. It's exactly the same as all these policies. Yeah, they, we, we've got very good intentions. We're going to implement yes. this NDP, etc. But then after that, you just don't go to the NDP gym. Yeah, we need, we need true political will. Now, on the positive side, even though, I mean, maybe politics is just slow, I think the new state president is taking us down the right road. A lot has been done. A massive amount still has to be done. But I think we are going down the right road and we've avoided the fork to despair, for want of a better word. But some days you just look back and you're like yesterday when the unemployment data comes out. Yeah. You just look back and say, you know, are we going on the right path? And I sincerely hope that we are. Well, you just said we are and going down the right path. I mean, you're not just saying that, yeah, Wayne, hope, because you're part I of a giant financial institution. You're not just paying. You're not just saying that because your bosses don't want you to be controversial. I hope you're not doing that. No, no, I, I, I truly believe we are. But you know, we are all human, I suppose, and sometimes we just get an attack of despair when you see, like, the unemployment numbers yesterday. And that can't swing quickly. You know, there's no quick fix. There's no magic silver bullet here that we can just have, you know, one occurrence and all of a sudden the, everything just picks up. Look, there are some positives going for the country. First of all, what we sell as a country, our mining output, you know, there's still demand for it and the prices are quite good. So, you know, that hasn't collapsed. And I hope that Donald Trump doesn't put a... Uh, doesn't doesn't throw a spanner into the works with trade wars with, with, with China because if that collapses, it's virtually, no matter what we do in South Africa, if our price of our export commodities, platinum, iron ore, all of those things collapse, I mean, we'll truly be in the, dull, in the doldrums, yeah. But let's just hope that all stays in. You know, we've got a functioning banking system. We've got, a, we've got so many things in the country. There's no reason why... We shouldn't, with what we've got, be able to do significantly better economically. And the reason why that's not happening is that people just lack confidence. Consumers lack confidence. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So no one's spending. I mean, uh, credit, credit creation by the major banks has been, you know, mid-single digits for, I wouldn't say a decade, but it's at least seven or eight years no one's borrowing. You know, the housing market, 
prices haven't gone up because the buyers are reluctant to go out and buy. They'd rather repair what they've got and stay where they are. So it's just a confidence thing. You know, you've got all of these state commissions and inquiries going on, and it's fantastic that they are going on because at least now there is accountability. But when you hear of all what's transpired, that doesn't inspire confidence. And if the consumer hasn't got confidence and starts to, starts to spend, then businesses don't spend. You know, there's this, there's this belief somehow in the system that businesses must pull the economy. Business must spend money. Business must create jobs. That's not how it works. You're not going to build a new factory or build a new shop if consumers aren't buying. Yeah. You know, so business expenditure always follows consumption expenditure. People must start to spend money first before business sits back and says, oh, I need a new factory, I need a new shop because there's demand. You know, businesses never start the cycle. They, in fact, almost a, a, a lagging indicator. They, they come after the economy picks up. They start spending money. They start doing the capital expenditure, all of these things. You know, so business isn't going to rescue, rescue the country because, simply because if they don't see demand, they're not going to spend money and build something new when there's no demand for it. So we've got to get this sentiment story right, and we've got to all feel better as a, about the future of the country and start to spend a little bit of money. Then the jobs will slowly pick up, and then business will spend a, big, a bit of money, and we'll all sort of start to create some wealth together. Wayne, it's been 25 you know, years since democracy. And so uh, I suppose yeah. in historical terms, we are still an adolescent New. democracy. Yeah. yeah. But on the other hand, in, unemployment is, continues to grind lower while the rest of the world creates jobs. And I'm, I'm fearful. I'm really fearful about the future yeah, look, of South especially the youth of South Africa. It's terrifying. Yeah, I know. It's, it, it is a terrifying prospect. Look, I suppose, as I said before, we've had many, many, we've got many, many good things going for the country. And I think the population as a whole has shown a willingness to, for want of a better word, let it, let the country develop. In other words, if we had a very militant population and we've got 35% unemployment, yeah. And the ANC has been in charge for 25 years. They would no longer be in charge if the people didn't think they have the ability to sort the country out. This is where I disagree with you. This is where I disagree with you. Somebody yesterday said to me, uh, I think the, the Republic of South Africa is ripe for an Arab Spring style uprising. And I said, no, absolutely not. We've got 11 different languages, official languages. Everybody dislikes each other in South Africa. You were talking about fighting amongst, uh, amongst ourselves earlier in this conversation. And I think that South Africans fight amongst themselves. There are factions within the population. And I don't think we are unified. And I used the example yesterday of Hong Kong rising up against the Chinese extradition laws, which were, were about yeah. to be passed. But we don't do that because we don't like each other, Wayne. No, look, I wouldn't be that, that negative. I... Wherever I go, and I mean, maybe it's just a personal ob observation, wherever I go in South Africa, and admittedly it's in uh, a small circle of people that I talk to and people I present to and people I discuss things with. Yes. You know, I, I don't feel a lot of animosity here in South Africa. We're not at each other's throats. I mean, sometimes when you listen to the politicians, you 
think that we are at each other's throats the whole time. But I don't think we are on the verge of any sort of massive civil discontent in the country, specifically regarding around the unemployment data. And I hope that I'm right. I hope so, But, too. I mean, of course, we've got, we got to start showing, we've got to put a scoreboard up. We've got to put numbers on the scoreboard. Guys, we're going to do this, and here's the end result, and this is our economic growth, and you need to start seeing numbers when unemployment actually comes down, or you see numbers where the education outcomes start to improve, etc. Mm. You know, sometimes you just hope that we do get some sort of outcome like that in the not too distant future. I hope so. Wayne, Anglo Gold Ashanti came out with a trading statement yes. for the six months ended 30th of June. And I think the production numbers have, have knocked the share price. I mean, I found it a very complicated trading statement. But anyway, the share price yes. down around about uh, 5%, bucking the recent yeah. trend of very good gold mining yeah. results. Look, their, their earnings, when you look through the earnings, earnings were roughly flat because they had a lot of retrenchment costs in the last set of data, which didn't appear in the current set. So when you look at the underlying earnings, it looks as far as I could make out flat. Yes. But gold's a difficult thing. Eh? I mean, gold is a, it's a difficult commodity to call yes. because it's not subject to normal demand uh, rules as other commodities are. You know, you'll always use steel. Right. The demand might go up a little bit one year and down a little bit next year. But gold is, is driven by many, many factors and it's hard to actually work it out. I mean, personally, in all the portfolios I've managed over all the years, I've never bought a gold share ever. You can't tell me that in your whole investment life, you've never bought a gold share. Yeah, I've never bought a gold share ever. That's extraordinary. And other than than maybe, maybe one year out of the last 30, yeah, that's been the right view to have. You know, every, every, every now and again, you get a little six or eight month spurt where gold just goes crazy and you wish you wish you had some. But, you know, the gold index now is where it was 20 years ago, man. Wayne, I'm just looking at chenit.co.za and having a look at the worst five performers on the exchange today, the JSC Securities Exchange. And I'm looking at Intuprop, a staggering 30% weaker. Yes. Hammerson, after three torrid days, another torrid day today, down 10%. Capco, down yeah. 5.3%. Uh, this is obviously a, a Brexit and currency story. This is a Brexit pound story, but equally as important and maybe even a little bit more important this is now, we are finally now seeing the effect of online shopping. Yes. Specifically, specifically in Into. The other ones, I think, are just falling on the back, on the back of Brexit and a very extremely poor UK property market. And just before we go on with Into, you look at Capco is trying to, not, not trying to, they are going to unbundle uh, Coven Gardens from all of their other Earl's Court residential property developments because the residential property developments no one's buying because of Brexit. Mm. But to come back to Capco, Capco owns shopping centers. And they stated quite specifically there that they've had to, they're now suffering from online purchasing, the, the, the evolution of the retail market. And they state also there quite clearly that the idea of having a shop is not dead. But it's changing. People want smaller footprints. They want less outlets. And they're now trying to adapt their business model to allow for 
in, in the UK now, I might be wrong, but about 18 or 20% of all sales now are done online. Quite right. So you don't need the shop and you don't need the footprint. And I mean, that's not going to go to 100%, but it's probably going to go a bit higher and maybe quite a bit higher than the current, the current levels. And they're battling with this. And as a result of all of this, a lot of their tenants, very similar to our Edgar's and very similar to famous brands, Gourmet Kitchen Burger in the UK, many of their tenants are, are going to them via these, this thing called a CVA, Compulsory Voluntary Agreement, or can't remember what, exactly what it stands for, but essentially the tenant goes to the landlord and says, unless you make a plan and cut my rental, I'm just going to abandon the lease and you can sue me. And I'll just go bankrupt. So they've had many of their tenants having to make arrangements via these CVAs to actually keep someone in the shop. So otherwise, the shop would be empty, and you know you get a you know you get a thirty percent, forty percent reduction in your rental income when you enter into these uh, these agreements. And even if the even if the tenant doesn't go for the CVA, the next time you come up for rental renewal. It is going to be significantly lower than your current rental. So effectively, virtually the whole tenant base is going to take a step downward per square foot in what they're paying you because of oversupply of retail space relative to the diminishing demand of having a physical shop in the UK. Now, we can all learn from this in South Africa yes. because this, this will eventually be the trend. I mean, it might take another 10 years because this has taken 20 years. I can remember in the mid-90s to late 90s, there was this big discussions going on about the death of the retail store because everyone's going online and going to shop online and no one's going to go to a shopping center. And there was a study in South Africa called, was it uh, the dot-com study or something like that where they evaluated retail trends and it was a big scare in the, in the late 90s that, that the shopping center is dead. And now we're actually seeing it 20 years later in the UK. So it eventually happens, but a lot longer, takes a lot longer than what you think. But it will eventually happen in South Africa here as well. You've got to, re, all of the property owners, they've got to rethink their retail space. They've got to turn a lot of it into smaller footprint stores. They've got to have a lot of distribution centers rather than physical shop front centers. I mean, you see it with the banks. The banks are cutting branches. They won't eliminate branches, but they're cutting branches quite dramatically. And we've got to be very careful about the amount of retail space that we've got in South Africa because of this trend. I mean, as I said, it might take another 10 years until it actually arrives on our foot, you know, on, 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 uh, before it arrives in South Africa. Yes. But it's coming, and we must be fully aware of this. I find it amazing that the UK retail industry, which is incredibly sophisticated, has suddenly suddenly woken up to the fact that online is stuffing up their yeah. bricks and mortar infrastructure. It's thirty percent yeah. down for one share. Let me but just I read you this, Wayne. You sorry. You've got you've got the building. Mm. How do you do what do you do with it? You've got it as a physical asset. Mm. You know, you know this is happening, but what do you actually do? But now they've got new management in and they're trying their very best to try and evolve with the retail market. This is what the Into Prop blurb says. 
Blurb is the right word. It says, the store is not dying, it is evolving. With all the recent media articles around the death of the store, you could believe that no one will go shopping again. However, the right stores in the right locations still play a vital role for retailers. Two stats will tell this story well, it says. First, 85% of all retail transactions still touch a physical store. 85% still touch a physical store. I don't know what that means. And secondly, recent research has shown that the presence of a physical store can double a retailer's online sales in that local catchment. Yeah. But then why is the high street dying on its feet? I don't understand it. Because that is a contradiction you to, to change, me. You've got, you got to change the shop. You've got to change the shop to a distribution and display area. So you want to shop online. Yeah. You'll want to shop online. You might book online, but you might want to go proverbially, proverbially and kick the tires oh, before yeah. you truly commit. So you, you want to go and see that new gadget. You want to hold it in your hand. But they, it's just a display. You just go in there, very small shop. You look at the display. And then around the back of the shop, they've got the distribution unit, which will send it to a distribution center, which will take the little white van and come and drop it off at your house in an hour or five or a day. So that's, that's, that's what they're actually trying to say is that you don't need a massive store that carries all the stock in the store at high street rentals, but you need a shop front where people can come in and look at your product and feel it and touch it and then go and order it online. Look, that obviously doesn't work for commodity things. I mean, you don't want to go and feel and touch a Colgate toothpaste because you've used it for 40 years. So you'll just <laughs> order that online. Yeah. But anything else, fashion, shoes, new electronic gadgets, you I, want to... I've ordered shoes online, Wayne. I've, I've ordered shoes online, and the thing comes along, and although I'm a size 45, whatever, whatever yeah. that means, or 11, or 11 and a half, and the thing is too small for me. And I haven't, yeah. I haven't got the, the guts, or the time, or the inclination um, yeah. to, to send it back. So I, I don't shop online when it comes to that sort of thing. Toothpaste, yeah. yes, so, so shoes, certain no. Things, cert, certain things you need a physical presence, yes. but it doesn't have to be the presence that we used to with this mega store with massive footprints. You just want to go in there and they'll have <laughs> certain sizes and certain types of shoes and you just try them on and it's lacquer and it fits nicely, but they don't carry the stock in the shop for you to buy it there and walk out. You'll just go and test it and, okay, I like this one. I know it's specs. I'll order it online. It'll be delivered tomorrow. Quite right, too. Wayne, talking about the retail environment, last couple of minutes, uh, because we're running out of time here, is yesterday characterized the retail environment in South Africa with MassMark coming out with numbers and the share price down 21%, 22% at one stage. It's bounced back a little bit today by around about 3%. But ShopRite, I think the hedge fund industry or the day traders were short of ShopRite because that went shooting up by 15%, but then came down to only rally to, at the end of the day, 55 6%, something like that. But an extraordinary thing. I think being a retail analyst at the moment must be quite difficult. It is, but the good thing going for ShopRite and pick and pay into a lesser pick and pay ShopRite spa into a lesser extent Woolworths is people still want to go and look at the chicken drumsticks that you are buying and the special new Chinese mix that they've got. There, people still want to go and look at food and and squash the bread and feel the pawpaws. So food, food, food retail. Yeah. is actually looking okay 
and specifically looking a bit better because you are now getting food inflation back into the system for the first time in three years. Food inflation is picking up and it's picking up quickly. And for a food retailer, that falls straight to the bottom line. The outlook actually looks quite good for the food retailers. I can't believe that after being in the business for maybe 20 years that someone has, for the first time, said the phrase, feel the pawpaws on my yeah. on the broadcast. <laughs> Wayne McCurry, thank you very much. Uh, be careful of that big hole because South Africa's falling into a big no, hole. I won't fall in it. I hope you don't. That's Wayne McCurry from FNB Wealth and Investment. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.